Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host from Tucson, PK, roasting away at 108 degrees. How are you tonight? A little toasted, but outside of that, fine. We're co- it's oh calling my for rain, goodness. possibly, and the nice thing is it's starting to get cloudy, so keep your fingers crossed for us. It's still bright here, oh, but yeah. over the mountains, it, there's, it starts getting darker and cloudy. So, hey, listen, I'll take any drop they want to give us. <laughs> it has been <laughs> horrible. You can ask some of ours. We're, you're getting a, a pretty big, nice rainstorm right now. So I wish I could send some your way because we do need the rain, but they too. badly do. Yeah, really. Amazing, so, isn't anyways, it? Yeah, it's crazy weather. Hurricane down in Florida. And mm-hmm. today is August 28th, 2019. We are almost at the end of this month. So tell us, what's That's going on right. with the first? Well, the most important thing I'd like everybody to remember that this month has been a review of last year. You've got a couple days left in this month. So the things that you didn't get tidied up or finished up over this month, because you have a chance to tidy things up a bit. You still have a couple of days. Get things taken care of. Get them off the table. It will make it so much easier. You have to remember, this has been all about last year's review. You've got a couple days. Fix what you can so you can sit back and stretch and take it easy so that when you go into September, which we'll talk about in September, you'll have an opportunity to do some other things. But let's get some of this. We'll say the breadcrumbs off the table. That's kind of what I'm thinking of. Some odds and ends here. And that will make everybody happy campers. Yeah. Yeah, we just need to clear the old out, let the new in. We've got a super moon coming up, you mentioned. Yes, we do. And that will be taking place as of August 30th. And that is called the magnificent super moon because it will be the closest to the Earth. This year, okay? That part is nice. It's the maiden moon that will be, well, we've not had it this close all year. So it's going to be extremely interesting to see what takes place because there's going to be some major changes. Anytime the moon changes, of course, we have a lot to do. So it's a good time to stop stalling and act on things that need to be done before we go into September, which we'll talk about next month, or I should say next week. But that's acting on your cravings, make some changes that need to be done. Also, it's a perfect time to sow seeds of your intention for what you want to take place over the coming month. And it's giving you a chance 
for a redo, which is perfect because where we are right now is about redoing and eliminating what doesn't work anymore. But allow the magic of the transition to take place because there's so many things that are workable for us. Of course, Virgos kind of keeps things very domestic and down at real. No shortcuts on that, but it's going to be the way it's going to be. For looking at new beginnings being offered from the supermoon, and then September will give us a review of the entire year we've been in, and the rest of it you'll have to tune in next week to hear. All right. How's that? And it's a perfect time. That sounds great. I'm all for it. And it's a perfect time to buy your magic candles on sale at supernaturalgirls.com <laughs> website because you can use those to set your intention. And we have them all on sale, one for love, one for wealth, one for soul clearing and alignment. So go take a look at them, and it's a great time to get them and use them for any ceremony in this full moon time, super moon time. Make sure that your intentions are seen and heard. And also, if you want a numerology reading with PK, you can find her at patriciakirkman.com and on supernaturalgirls.com. If you would like a soul realignment reading, I am keeping that on sale for a little while longer. So if you want to book that, then go to supernaturalgirls.com. Send me an email. And we'll find a good time for you to have that session. And also, I'm going to be starting a dream group online. So if you're interested in a dream group, then do send me an email. I'm developing a list. And also, don't forget to sign up for Tom Palladino's free Scalar Energy. That's on our website. And also, Carrie Cannon, Consciousness Alignment. We also have a free trial there. And go ahead and look at it. It's all on the website. If you would like to learn how to do soul realignment with Adrian Hess, then you can do that right from our website. There's a link there for that. So we've got you covered. Just go to SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com. Make sure to look at our Facebook page. We've had tremendous stories on fairies and gnomes and UFOs over Montana. So go take a look at that. And make sure you give us a like and a follow, and follow us on Twitter as well. And we do have some paranormal news about a possible Bigfoot situation. And this is in New England. This is in New Hampshire. And Paul Seaburns, a great writer for Mysterious, uh, the Mysterious website, came up with this. And it's pretty funny because this happened. This actually came from the Conway Daily Sun is the dominant news media in the Mount Washington Valley of New Hampshire. Now, in a letter to the editor, a concerned citizen named Caleb White presented the paper with evidence contradicting recent stories about bears being blamed for break-ins reported by homeowners on Spruce Mountain. Now, Caleb Mm -hmm. clearly and politely (laughs) presents his case that these (laughs) break-ins were actually done by local Bigfoot. So here's what he had to say. Mm-hmm. We all know that these bear break-ins across the northern parts of the valley, cars and houses getting in, broken into, and things stolen by apparent bears. But after extensive research, I am confident that these break-ins are actually the presence of the Sasquatch and are being covered up by fish and game. But why do I think this? 
You see, when the bear first broke into Spruce Mountain, they set up traps to catch it and caught it the next day. But soon after, another break-in was reported at Spruce, and there is no way two bears thought to do the exact same thing two times in a row. The trap was just a decoy so that the public would not notice. Sasquatch are very smart creatures. They won't fall into a trap. So... This is what he claims, and I think he's got he's got something to be uh, taken seriously here. It's it sounds reasonable to me. What do you think? Well, I think when you're taking a look at what's transpiring, how could it not be a fact? Because bears don't come in pairs to uh, do the identical thing. Doesn't sound yeah, right. Doesn't feel right. Yeah, and it's here's the other be an thing he said. Job. <laughs> another creature is involved. He also That's says, right. I still I still cannot understand why people think bears could so easily open car doors. They don't have opposable thumbs. Sasquatch, on the other hand, does, allowing him to open doors like humans. Bears have claws, which would scratch car paint easily. But these cars mm-hmm. just have dirt on them. That is because Sasquatch are more precise than creatures such as bear. So I think this guy is on to something here. I really oh, do. I agree. So, I'll have to go yeah. along with that one. Yeah, good for him. I think he took this on and he proved his case to me, at least, and to you and our audience. Thanks, too. So, <laughs> it's very yeah. interesting. It's just very. incredible, though, when you think about it. If there's anything going on, oh, let's just blame the animal in the neighborhood. Well, let's put it this way. Our animals aren't as good as some people think they are. It, no, as you say, no fingers, no way to grab a hold of some of these things. And if it had been a bear, wouldn't the paint on the car, as you said, been totally clawed as it tried to open a door? Well, you'd think you'd see the, the claw marks for sure. I mean, those yeah. claws are pretty impressive on bears. So I've seen yes, them personally, and I can attest to it. Yes, they have very big, sharp claws. So I guess this is happening in New Hampshire. Uh, I think Bigfoot's looking for some sweets to eat. I hear that Bigfoot likes cinnamon buns and things like that. Maybe that's what they're after. So anyway, very interesting. Now, last week we had a great show also with Rhonda and Dwight Hall, the Southwestern Ghost Hunters. And they uh, actually weren't able to tune in to Jesse, but I was able to tune in to my cousin, Jesse James. Got everything confirmed. I posted it. It's on our Facebook page, what was confirmed by Jesse's great-great-great-grandson. So take a look there. And Dwight did some animal communication, and he was going to follow up with us on the missing eagle. Let us know what's going on. And then also on the low hum that one of my dogs, Gabriel, reported, and also some very tall, thin beings walking around our property. So He is going to report back on all of those things next week. So be sure to tune in. We'll have an update from Dwight Hull on all of those things that we started a conversation about. It was a lot of fun last week. Great time. And, of course, we ended the show. It was great. Talking about UFOs, our favorite. So here we are tonight. Now, this is a spooky one. And we had to do the show because not only is the book great, but we're coming into fall. So (laughs) we're going to start getting spooky. 
And we have a great guest tonight, William Dorian, and he is the author of a book that we just read called The Holy Water Incident. It is the true story right. of a daughter's possession and exorcism. Now, William, who is from Nashville, Tennessee, has been interested in the paranormal for over 40 years, and together with Eileen Curran, the daughter of the famous medium Pearl Curran, he began channeling the spirit of patience worth. So he's had a lot of experience on his own with the paranormal. But when this happened to his daughter, it took on a completely different color. So welcome to the show, Bill. How are you tonight? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm great. How are you? We are great. And we're so glad to have you on the show to talk about this very frightening encounter. So you've had a long love affair with the paranormal, and again, being able to channel the spirit of patience worth, and you had some ghost adventures in some of your houses too, right? Uh, yeah, we've. Uh, <laughs> I had an old uh, restored Victorian house that uh, had an interesting ghost in it that my daughter and I both saw. So when all of this took place it it actually started back in 2001 right that's when it all right. began yeah. and where where were you living at the time uh same place i live now it's a little uh condo uh, about uh, 20 miles from downtown nashville now be darned i'm so, sorry what it, that's incredible that you're still in that that area after everything you went through. Oh yeah, I still live here. <laughs> I'm going. Yeah, I'm you think you would have run yeah, away? <laughs> yeah. No, we and we I had uh, we had paranormal incidents uh, continue for about 15 years here, um, and I mean even after uh, my daughter's uh, possession and exorcism, we were still having things go on here at the condo and um I finally had a paranormal group come and uh cleanse the place and it's been very peaceful for about the last two and a half years. Oh that's great. Yeah, but it's taken yeah. long enough, gosh. That's a long <laughs> yeah. long time with the thing is going back and forth. But this started now you guys started doing some kind of fun, easygoing experiences, so you thought, with Ouija board. So tell us how that all got started. Well, I had my introduction to the Ouija board back in 1974, I think it was. Um, I was living in New Orleans, and I lived next door to a couple. Uh, they knew I was interested in the paranormal, and I said, well, you know, you ought to come meet our aunt. She's really interesting, and she knows a lot about the paranormal. So I went and met her. Turned out she was Eileen Curran, who was Pearl Curran's daughter. And Pearl uh, channeled the spirit of uh, Patience Worth back in the early uh, 20th century. And she wrote, through Patience, Pearl wrote, or through, I'm getting them confused, through uh, Pearl, Patience wrote six novels and two plays and several books of poetry. Uh, 
on the Ouija board and or uh, automatic writing. And uh, they were all in perfect old English. They were uh, examined by linguistics experts, and uh, the uh, it was Elizabethan, perfect Elizabethan English. Um, and the books were big sellers. Several of them were uh, best-selling novels uh, back in the 1920s, and For uh, you know, sake. critically acclaimed. Yeah, critics liked them. Uh, the public liked them, and Pearl made a lot of money off of them. Uh, Pearl was a relatively uneducated housewife. Uh, You know, she had a high school degree or diploma, and she never studied uh, early modern English, which is Elizabethan and the language of Shakespeare. She never had any access to learning that. There's no reason she should have known that. And um, it was just a real interesting situation. Eileen uh, used to tell me that her mother could sit and write for patients automatic writing with one hand and carry on a conversation with you about a totally different topic at the same time. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Wow, we... That's amazing. So that's how I got introduced to it, yeah. And where did the Ouija board fit into all of this? Well, it Pearl started with the Ouija board. Uh, she and a friend, this is somewhere, I think it was 1914, and she and a friend of hers, they were just bored, and they had read about Ouija boards, and the spiritualist movement was really big back then. So they went to the dime store and bought a Ouija board and started playing with it. And that's when they first contacted the patient's worth spirit. And they went along for months just talking to her on the Ouija board. And Pearl's husband often would come, and he he was their stenographer. He would take the dictation and write down what patients was telling them. But that's a really, really slow process. So oh, yeah. after a while, uh, Eileen said her mother just had a feeling that if she just sat down with a pen and paper, she could could write it, and and it was and that was, of course that was much faster than the Ouija board. But that's how that's how yeah. Eileen and I started out on it was the Ouija board, yeah, and so then Eileen. It seemed innocent. Incredible. This whole Ouija I mean, board thing, and you totally as it evolved. Yeah, these people were able to get some really interesting stories and information, and Patience Worth was able to do the writing in from the other side of the veil that she wanted to do while she was here. So she got it done right, through yeah. the currents, and then you were able to also channel the spirit. But how – okay, so it seemed innocent with the Ouija board because nothing bad came through. It It was only – this type of thing. No, we never took but any then, right kind of precautions or anything. Uh, it was right. never spooky. There was nothing right. ever so spooky nice about entity. it. And, and then, you know, how did I, you, go ahead. How did your daughter Brittany then uh, get brought into this? Because she was pretty young when you were involved with Eileen and well, all she that. Didn't need- I was even born, yeah, back then. Okay, uh, so she was not involved at that time, but she was. She no, got no. into the Ouija board stuff when she was pretty young, right? Well, yeah. Uh, 
actually, Eileen died a, just a couple of years after I first met her. She died young. She was in her 50s. And, but I was always able to go to the Ouija board, and contact, after Eileen passed on, I could contact patients without her, which was kind okay. of a surprise, but, I, you know, that was... And I, you know, it was a party favor. It was a par a parlor trick. And mm-hmm. uh, go to parties, and you sit down with the Ouija board, and suddenly I'm talking to Patience Worth, and she's speaking in uh, Elizabethan English, and it was just fun. Nobody ever thought there was anything spooky about it. So I did this off and on uh, for years and years, and then my daughter. Um, came along and she just, I kind of, you know, taught her how to do it. And there was, I didn't even realize you were supposed to take precautions. I didn't know that there was anything, you know, uh, negative (laughs) that could happen. That's how ignorant I was about it back then. Um, And so Brittany learned how to do it. But she always did it with me. Mm-hmm. And like maybe she'd have a sleepover with a bunch of little girls and they would eventually come around and want to play the Ouija board and, and we'd do it, but I had to be there. That that was the only uh, requirement. I had to be part of it. Well, after she got to be, say, 15 years old and had a boyfriend and the boyfriend would come over and they were sneaking around with the Ouija board and playing it without me, and I didn't know that. And she was contacting, you know, innocent, you know, questions, who am I going to marry and uh, am I going to pass the text test next week and, you know, silly teenager stuff. So still it didn't seem like there could be anything negative about it, but apparently, and she told me this later, but I didn't know it, she said nearly every time they took out the Ouija board after they asked all their questions, some kind of negative spirit would come in and threaten them with, I'm going to take you to hell, and, you know, that kind of garbage. But, you know, being a kid, she didn't know that that was anything that she shouldn't do, and uh, apparently she contacted something negative, something demonic, and uh, by the time when she was 15, uh, that's when the possession happened. And in your book, you talk about the fact that she had been seeing this boy, and then they broke up. So she was kind of alone with her feelings of not being with him anymore, and I think that's when you alluded to the fact that you thought that's when this... uh, this entity started to really take hold. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. Yeah I think, yeah, I think she was really depressed about breaking up with her very first boyfriend, you know, the love, very first love yeah. of her life. <laughs> and um, so she was extremely depressed and probably because of that was sneaking around using the Ouija board even more. And, uh, so her depression and her own personal negativity, I think, was drawing in 
negative, maybe demonic entities. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, it was like the perfect storm for her. And really? at the yeah. time, now, were you were you divorced at that point? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, her mother and I divorced when she was four years old. Oh, okay. So you yeah. raised her then? We had joint custody. It was, uh, she would live with her mother a week, and she'd come live with me in a week, uh, for a week. And it just went back and forth, back and forth, and seemed to be a pretty good system. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, well, yeah. Was when she was going with her mother, was she having the same issues that she had with, with the possession aspect of things? Or was it just well, the, the house? It, it seems that I don't know when her when she was over at her mother's house, her mother would not have permitted anything like a Ouija board in the house. Her mother yeah, was it, very uh, strict fundamentalist Christian, and oh she was she didn't permit anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, but did your daughter's feelings for what she was going through? Did that stay with her even when she went to the mother's house, or was it only when she was in the home that you, you two shared together? Uh, Brittany has said that, that as far as her seeing spirits and hearing spirits, that mostly happened over here and not at her mother. Not that she didn't at her mother's house, too, but most of it was over here. Yeah, because well, that's where the other person or entity was yeah mm-hmm. hmm. yeah it's uh it's it's very troubling what happened to her but one of the things that really caught our attention when we read this book is the fact that you were episcopalian and the episcopalians do have uh, a place where they do exorcism but yet your own priest uh just basically abandoned you he said he didn't know enough yeah, about this. Yeah, he turned his back you. on us. Uh, Good Lord, isn't that terrible? We were, uh, Brittany was baptized in the Episcopal Church when she was a little baby. And so our priest, we had known him for like 15, 16 years. He'd been the priest, you know, the whole time and only priest she'd ever known. And um, so... You know, I not only considered him uh, our priest, I considered him a personal friend. Mm-hmm. And when the when the possession happened, the night it happened, uh, eventually I, I we didn't I didn't call him until later into the night. But uh, you know, I just knew that. Uh, He'd jump in his car and rush over. And he was like, well, you know, Bill, that's just not my level of expertise, and I just don't know mm-hmm. much about that. And he would not. He just totally turned his back on us. And, yeah, uh, exorcism is a right of the Episcopal Church, just like it is the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. They do it a little differently. Uh, right. Roman Catholic priests can uh, conduct exorcisms in the Episcopal Church. It has to be a bishop. But if 
a priest thinks that there is a valid case of exorcism, he can go to the bishop and the bishop will come out and do the exorcism. But, you know, I didn't get any kind of help at all from our priest. So I was just kind of, you know, now what sort of thing. That is really, really awful. I I mean, this is your spiritual advisor, confidant, and he couldn't even get in his car and drive over. He wasn't that far away from you, as I recall in the book. He was, what, 20 minutes away? Might have been. been, He might have lived 12, 15 miles from here. It it wouldn't have been. He didn't want to be bothered. That's terrible. So here you are with your daughter, who has now gone into a state of possession, and how did you know? I mean, how did you know it was happening at the time? I mean, why didn't you think it was just an epileptic seizure or something like that? Why did you think she was possessed? Well, um, we, for about, well, a couple of months before the actual possession, we had been having some strange things happening at the house. We would have, uh, you'd hear banging on the walls, um, uh, Things would move, little objects. Uh, Now, you wouldn't see them move, but things would move from where you put them. And there's no way that 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 could happen. You know you didn't put that there, and and, uh, you were the only one in the house, so you know it had to have gotten there, didn't get there under its own uh, power, but there it was. Or you'd put your keys down and where you always put your keys and you'd go to get them and they wouldn't be there. You'd look all over the whole house, ransack the house, and go back and there they were right where they were supposed to be. <laughs> that had and, to be you know, we, the devil. Oh, it was. There was this little teddy bear, too. He kept. You never knew where he was going to pop up next. <laughs> Uh, he was a traveling teddy. You, you never knew. He, he might be in one big bookcase or another bookcase, or he might be on the table. You just never knew where he'd be. So, uh, And we would hear voices. Um, that's a little disconcerting. And, and not just whispers, but you could hear people talking. Uh, later could you hear on, what they we, were saying or, or not? Sometimes, yeah. And later on, that would develop into where you could actually talk to them. You could have conversations. Now, that would be much later. That was after the possession. So anyway, (laughs) strange things were going on. And oh, and I remember I'd be sitting at the computer. I'm a writer, and I'd be writing, and I'd hear somebody upstairs singing, and there was nobody up there to sing. Um, so we had we had all these really strange things going on. Um, at the time, I'm a theatrical director, and I was directing a play, and I was supposed to have uh, dinner with my producer and his wife to talk about the play. So I knew that they were uh, familiar with the paranormal, and they they were sympathetic with such and so I told them what had been going on and uh, Anne that was her name and said uh, we know every uh, every Christmas I get several bottles of holy water 
to use throughout the year, and I think I think you need one of them. And so she went and she got this bottle of holy water, and she said, when you get home, sprinkle this around different places in the house, especially the windows and the doors. And she gave me some prayers to read um, as as I was supposed to be using holy water and she said this will this will cleanse your house and maybe it'll get rid of whatever's going on over there. So uh I came home and she's Greek Orthodox by the way. So came home and uh had my holy water and Brittany met me at the door and I told her, you know, uh what we needed to do with the holy water and told her what all that Ann, Ann had told us and had the prayers she gave me. And so at first, Brittany was very enthusiastic and wanted to help. So we go around the house sprinkling the holy water, and especially around the windows and the doors. And uh, we do the downstairs, and then we go upstairs. Uh, we sprinkle holy water in my bedroom. And by the time we got up there, Brittany had lost a lot of her initial interest uh, She seemed to get reticent And uh, this Kind of something that she was Really into When we were downstairs By the time we got upstairs She just wasn't really into it much anymore mm. And sat down on the bed And just watched me do it And uh, I You know thought well, she, she Just teenager stuff Kids mm-hmm. are like that They lose interest easily So uh, <laughs> I said well, uh, We need to go into your room And uh, put the holy water In your room No I don't want to mm. Well mm-hmm. no uh, I think we ought to Because a lot of the banging on the walls Had been in her room That's That's where a lot of these things were happening Maybe more so than any other part of the house no, Ann said we needed to sprinkle this stuff in your room. So I got her to go in there with me, and I started sprinkling the holy water, and she sat down on her bed and curled up in a, a kind of a fetal position and started growling like an animal. Oh. And okay. I looked over at her and... I'm thinking, oh, my God, now what? And I knew enough about it that I thought I was I was starting to have fears. Um, so this was the first first time that I, anything like a possession had even entered my mind, that that might be our problem. But I knew enough about it to know that this is not good and this is not the way she should be behaving. So um, I sat down next to her and I said, we need to put some of this holy water on your forehead. No, I don't want to. Go away. And then she started Mm. cursing me and speaking in a voice that was not Brittany. And it wasn't even a woman's voice. It was a, a deep male voice. And, and did her did her eyes change also? Oh yeah, yeah. When, and it's really, you know, if you saw the movie The Exorcist, that's Hollywood, 
And that's it. It isn't that extreme, but it's not. It's close. It's pretty close. They they got pretty mm. close to it. It's almost that bad. So her Scary. eyes, yeah, her it's her eyes just turned black. And I don't know how to describe it. I mean, you, I wish I had had a camera with me, but I'd never never had a camera and never had a tape recorder. But the eyes just, they're not her eyes anymore. And so she started banging her head on the wall and banging her head on the floor. And she was obviously trying to hurt herself. Well, so I'm, I try to grab her and I'm trying to hold her down and try to prevent her from hurting herself. And she's cursing me like nobody has ever cursed me before in my life or then or since. Wow. And uh, and it wasn't her voice, <clears throat> and, and you know, and that's intermittent between animalistic growls. And I'm trying to hold her down, and the holy water is over there, and I'm over here, and oh my goodness! So I, my mother was living with me back then, back. On the weeks that I would keep Brittany, she would come stay with me and help me keep Brittany. So I yelled for my mother to to come up, and she would have been, oh, she would have been late 70s, I guess, by then. You know, old lady, Mm -hmm. and I'm getting pretty old now. Doesn't seem that old to me, but she, she seemed pretty old at the time. So uh, so she came upstairs, and uh, she didn't know what to do, And but she was great. She was a real trooper. She, she jumped in and helped me hold Brittany down, because if you didn't hold her down, she was trying to hurt herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, dear. She trying to, to claw herself, you know, scratch herself. Uh, beat her head against things so we're trying to hold her down and this went on for hours and eventually um, I told my mother go call Brittany's mother this was back before there were cell phones or anything like that so she had to come back downstairs use landline and um so another 15 minutes or so, Sheila, uh, Brittany's mother, came over. And you know, like I said, she's very fundamental Christian values and very... Um, My God, so what did she think when she saw this going on? Well, she, at first, because she's also kind of, uh, she used to be a school counselor, and she thought that Brittany was having some kind of seizure. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know whether it was was paranormal or whether she was having an epileptic seizure. It's pretty obvious we needed to hold her down. So mm-hmm. there we are, three grown people trying to hold down a 15-year-old girl, and who was a little typical 15-year-old girl with the strength of two big truck drivers, and we're trying oh, to hold wow. her down. So anyway, this went on for. I don't know. Guess I guess all together, uh, maybe three hours, and 
finally, Sheila says, call 911. She's the logical one in the group. That never even occurred to me. Uh, I guess I thought, well, you know, you start getting outsiders involved. Somebody's going to mm-hmm. think Brittany's crazy. But uh, they called 911, and they came over, and the paranormals were very, very professional. And, of course, I told them that I thought we were dealing with demonic entities. And I'll give them this. They did not look at me like they thought I was crazy. They were very So, so the paramedics very, did a good job. Then. That's oh yeah, great. they did a great job. That's yeah. great. Well, that's um, wonderful. So they because put on her some in a stretcher. You must have wondered: Is there a medical condition? I mean, you know your paranormal stuff to a point, and you knew that there was something changing radically within her. But was there some part of you that was like, "God, we just need to get this girl evaluated medically"? If she had shown any signs of that beforehand, I might have said yes, but she never had. Brittany had always been a happy-go-lucky kid. She was not uh, subject to any kind of depression before this, you know, before the boyfriend, and we talked Mm -hmm. about that, but that was only a month or two before the possession, so it wasn't like a lifelong series of episodes of depression she'd never been depressed this is a kid who was always the life of the party had the greatest personality I I was envious of her personality because I've always been introverted and and shy there was never been anything introverted or shy about Brittany everybody Mm -hmm. loved Brittany happy-go-lucky no problems at all no problems she never liked school, never was really good at school, but no real problems. And, so then uh, if you didn't yeah. think that there was a medical, an actual medical concern, then you must have been con- some level of very concerned that she was being taken into the medical system where anything right. can happen. Well, after I mm-hmm. saw what the medical system had to offer, I sure was. Um, mm-hmm. They carried her. Uh, you know, nobody knew, everybody just thought, well, I mean, the medical guys thought she needs to be evaluated by doctors because that's all we can do is take her to a hospital. So the the paramedics took her to a hospital, and uh, uh, once we got there, she was looked at by doctors and psychiatrists and nurses and I told them what had happened and that I thought we were dealing with some kind of uh, negative, maybe demonic entity, and they looked at me like I had lobsters in my ears. (laughs) This guy's as crazy as she is. Nobody believed me. Um, And, you know, so Brittany spent uh, two weeks in a, a... a juvenile psych ward that first time and came out and of course they go, well, she has this kind of ism and that kind of ism and possible schizophrenia and possible bipolar and possible this and possible that. And so uh, we brought her home and, but I knew that if I bring her home, it's just going to happen again. She's not crazy. Mm-hmm. And I told them, she is not crazy. 
and what happened that night, you have, you all have done absolutely nothing to prevent that from happening again. And so I, I knew that we needed to find somebody to perform some kind of cleansing or exorcism or something. So I, uh, I hadn't had any luck with the Episcopal Church, so I called the Roman Catholic Diocese and talked to them. They were very sympathetic. Very nice, but and they they you know they didn't act like they thought I was crazy like my priest had. Um, they said, well, you know, it sounds like you might have a case of possession, but our process is so long and drawn out and and involved that it could take months for us to even get somebody out there. Um, wow. Sounds like you need you need help right now. So that was that was help, but I did, still didn't know where to go next. So, so it's interesting that the, the Catholic Church operates like such a bureaucracy that they oh, can't yeah, yeah. get help to people in a reasonable period of time. That is so upsetting. Well, we're going to take a very short commercial break, and we're going to come back and hear where you got help, how you got help, and if it resolved this, for Brittany and your family, because this is really scary stuff. We're also going to mention Dr. Richard Gallagher, who is a board-certified psychiatrist and an expert in possession and exorcism. So stay tuned, everybody. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. Pure Essential Oil specialized mineral, and a revolutionary anti-aging technology. Astridian combines the best of all scientifically proven ingredients in easy-to-use creams, lotions, and concentrated serums. Astridian's advanced line of products take your skin to a new level of being healthy and beautiful. We offer a variety of collections that address all your skin concerns. The Essential Anti-Aging Series treats and moisturizes your skin for a long-lasting, younger look. The Multivitamin Series promotes healthy skin with high-quality vitamins and minerals. The Sports Series restores skin from cellular damage and stress. Astridian also offers a revitalizing solution for hair and a professional series for doctors and medical spas. Visit astridian.love today and begin your new journey to healthy, beautiful, youthful skin. Astridian, beyond your expectations. Are you frustrated with endless mantras, affirmations, and processes that promise to align your life with your dreams only to find yourself years later in the same space where you began? Do you feel like you must be doing something wrong because nothing seems to be working? Don't you just wish that someone could shift your consciousness for you and your life could align with your desires without all the effort? Well, your wish is about to come true. Hi, I'm Carrie Cannon, and I have a gift that allows me to align the consciousness of others to be in harmony with their dreams. The best part is, it requires no particular effort on your part. Upon listening to a consciousness alignment, People have reported instant energy shifts, financial windfalls, soulmate connections, healed relationships, physical healings, and more. To gain access to a free trial offer for my entire Manifesting Miracles Library of Consciousness Alignments, 
Go to commandmiracles.com now for details. Again, that's commandmiracles.com for information about our free trial offer. That's commandmiracles.com. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co-host, Patricia Kirkman, PK, and our guest tonight, who has lived through quite an experience, William Dorian, and he is the author of a great book, and it's a spooky one. It is called The Holy Water Incident, The True Story of a Daughter's Possession and Exorcism. So we left off with you, uh, Bill, in where you were trying to get help from these people, the Episcopalians said no. Uh, the Catholic Church said it's going to take too long. And then where did you go? Uh, well, then I went back to uh, my friend Ann, who had given me the bottle of holy water in the first place. And uh, I asked her what she thought I ought to do. Uh, like I said, she's Greek Orthodox. So uh, she said, oh, I, I think my, my priest would... Uh, be glad to do that for you. So she gave me his phone number, and I called him, talked to him, and he was, again, very sympathetic. He said, yeah, it sounds like you have a 
legitimate case of possession, and so I met him at his house, and uh, we talked for a long time, and he asked me all the things that uh, had happened, and I tried to fill him in on it, and uh, he said, yeah, I'll be glad to do an exorcism, but now you know, uh, does your daughter ever listen to rock and roll music? And my first thing, reaction was, oh, no, no, please. Because, you know, <laughs> kids like that kind of music. And, yeah, uh, right. Because that, that, can, that can attract demonic entities, you know, that kind of music. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what have I gotten into? And I figured even if he could get rid of it, I don't know if Brittany's going to want him to be part of it or not. And then he said, well, you know, I'll do the exorcism, but you and your family are going to have to start coming to our church. So I um, told him that I thanked him for his trouble and said I'd be calling him soon, knowing that I never would talk to him again. And I walked out feeling like I'd been up another dead-end street. So uh, then I called another friend of mine. He's actually mentioned in the book. He's uh, another theatrical director. And uh, I told him everything that had happened, and he's known Brittany since she was a baby, and uh, he was very sympathetic. And he said, have you ever heard of uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren? And I no, I had no idea who these people were. And he said, well, they're famous demonologists, and he told me about the Amityville Horror and other cases that they'd been involved in and the Annabelle doll and all that. And he said they've written a lot of books about demonic possessions. Uh, why don't you try to contact them? So I figured didn't have anything to lose, so I called, I, I sent, I, I got uh, Lorraine's, uh, she has a website, so that's that's how I found her email address. So I sent her an email, described what had happened. She wrote me back just immediately, and she was very, very nice, very sweet. Uh, said, yeah, it sounds like uh, you've got a uh, case that, you very well may have a demonic possession, but this was when, I think, when Ed was in the hospital sick right before he died. And she said, I, I'm just, I've got too much, too many personal problems right now. So she said, I'm going to refer you to my nephew, John Zaffis, and he, I'm letting him handle everything now. Okay, so she gave me John's phone number. I called Mr. Zephyrs, and he was very nice. Uh, he, you know, No, I'm going to stop you uh, for just a second. Yeah, um, sure. Because, Bill, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Is there something, a fan or something out in the background? Because all of a sudden, I'm having difficulty hearing you. No, ma'am, there's not. I was afraid of this with the cell phone. No, it's Can not the cell now? phone. I can hear you better now. Um, sometimes no, we also no fan. okay. That's interesting. <laughs> so, 
Sometimes we get interference when we're talking about this subject also. Yeah, and it has, for sure. It has nothing to do with uh, the mechanics, but I always start with let's let's go logical first, and then we can go from there. Mm-hmm. So, guys, okay. I'd really like to hear what Bill well, has to say. We're getting ready for a storm. We're getting ready for a storm to hit here. It's, the sky is extremely black, and the clouds are very low. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, let's like hope you can stay like with them. Like a bad umbrella. And then if you look yeah, off, okay, plucked up right, into that storm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Well, it's, it's, this, the background sound has seemed to stop for now. So, Bill, please go ahead. So now we're we're you're talking about uh, Ed and Lorraine's Lorraine Warren's nephew, and he's the one taking over for them. So, um, tell us more about him and what happened. Okay. So uh, John was uh, he was great. He uh, Said it sounds like you do have a legitimate case of possession. Uh, sounds like the kind of case that we'd like to get involved in. But we're up here in Connecticut. You're down there in Nashville, and it would be extremely expensive for me to bring a team down there. Um, and he said, plus, you know, we we just couldn't get to you for a couple of months anyway because we're so busy. So he he said. Uh, if you tried anybody local, I tried. I went through the whole thing with the priest, and he said, "Well, you don't have to have a priest. You can get a psychic to perform an exorcism or cleansing." Well, I didn't know that. You know, I'm new to all this stuff. That was news to me. He said, uh, "Find a local psychic and see if you can't get." someone local there to do it. And I you know, I told him, well, you know, this is Nashville. This is the buckle of the Bible belt. I don't know if there are any here. but um, So that's where I went with it next, and I found a psychic. Her name was uh, Laurel Steinheis. And actually, I had known her before. She had written for me for a newspaper I edited. Uh, didn't really know she was into this kind of stuff. And I got Laurel and called her up, and she said, yeah, I'd be glad to come out and do it. So Laurel came out. She did the exorcism, or she called it a cleansing. Um, she got here. It was about 8 o'clock. The, with the, the day we picked Brittany up from the hospital, Laurel got here about 8 o'clock that night, and... The exorcism lasted until, well, the sun was already up when Laurel left. So it was 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. So that's how long now, it what, took. Now, you mentioned before the uh, the, the movie The Exorcist, which was quite dramatic. Um, and mm-hmm. were, what happened during the exorcism? Was there anything that you felt well, it wasn't. terrified by? Because you're talking about this whole story, and you're so calm. I'm like, oh, my goodness, how can you be so calm? This is your daughter, and she's been taken well, over by demons, and she's having a miserable time. But what happened during the exorcism? Did she speak in tongues? Yes, did she throw she things across the room with her mind? I mean, yes. what what kind of things did she do? Uh, again, you know, I, I told you, the, I wouldn't call it superhuman strength. She wasn't like a... A superhero or anything, but we've got a, a 15-year-old girl who had the strength of two truck drivers, and it oh took uh, several people to hold her down. 
and she spoke in different languages, languages that I was not familiar with, uh, languages that apparently Laurel was familiar with because they communicated in these strange languages that she would talk to the entity um, and different voices. Sometimes it was a woman's voice. Sometimes it was a man's voice. Um, I remember once uh, she went, she got loose and ran into the kitchen and headed for the drawer that we keep the knives in. Mm-hmm. And I, and opened the drawer, and I knew what she, what the entity had in mind, so I stopped her from that. But it is scary, but it's not scary like, oh, I'm in a haunted house and something's going to get me scary. It's scary because something is is trying to take your daughter. That's why you're mm-hmm. afraid. You're afraid for her. You're not afraid for yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't have time to be afraid for yourself. You, you're you're trying to do whatever it takes to help her. Right. And uh, we had uh, there, Laurel said later that there were over a thousand entities inside Brittany. Negative. Oh my gosh. They're not. They weren't That's all negative. Incredible. Now some of them were. They were fairies. She said that had been with her since she'd been a baby. Um, yeah. But uh, there were there were mostly negative entities, and there was this one entity that came out, and he started talking to Laurel in this weird language that I didn't know what they were talking about. And Laurel said, oh, I recognize him. I've come across this entity before. His name is Kalikalik, and he's a fallen angel who has turned himself back around to the good. And what he does now is try to help people to make up for the evil that he's done in the past. So he's here to help. So she talks to him for a while, and... After a while, she said, I've told him that you all can't understand this language, and he's going to speak to us in English now. So then Brittany started talking to this guy, but uh, it's in English, and it's in a perfect perfect Irish uh, dialect. And as far as I know, Brittany did not know how to do an Irish accent, but it was perfect. And he said his name was Spence. He had he had uh, lived a life as a human in the past just to see what it was like. And so that's who he was in his life in Ireland. He'd been a shoemaker. And uh, so anyway, his name was Spence. And so it was doing the exorcism. It was his job. He would... Laurel would talk to him. He would go in there and tell Laurel how many more entities were left. And he would help bring out the good ones, or if it was a bad one, he'd come out and say, well, you've got another one, bad one, on the way, and I can't control him, and then the bad one would come out. But when he communicated with, even after the exorcism was done, Brittany can 
continue to channel Spence on a pretty regular basis. Uh, so we had Spence around the household for, oh, I'd say at least, uh, well, for off and on for 15 years, but frequently wow. for a year. And Spence was very uh, amiable. He, he was uh, he was had a great sense of humor. He was friendly. Uh, had great stories. I've sat and talked to Spence for hour at a time, you know, channeling through Brittany. And he was always hungry. He always wanted to go to the kitchen and see what was in the refrigerator. <laughs> uh, Spence really became kind of a member of the family for a long time. Um, once even we were going to a restaurant to have a like a birthday celebration for my mother and my mother and, and my son were in the back seat and Brittany was in the front seat with me and Brittany just fell over limp her, her head fell over sideways so I always knew that was a sign she's about to start channeling somebody so uh, that's great this is just perfect timing so uh, she pops back up and it's Spence and uh, so instead but let of let me ask you a question, to, Bill, because sure. uh, you know it's like when you have a daughter who has this problem with possession and entities that are taking over, good or bad. I mean, why would uh, your exorcist, Lauren, or your cleanser, uh, even encourage her to ever do this kind of thing again? I mean, didn't it seem well, like Laurel, it was Laurel was a channeler game? herself. Laurel yeah, had known Brittany he, since yeah, she, she was, was a baby. Laurel, she wasn't well, I'm trying, I'm, trying to tell, I'm trying to tell you. Laurel had been telling us for years that Brittany was going to develop psychic abilities on her own. And right. she had, had uh, Laurel channeled. I would go see Laurel, you know, for readings, and I would usually, she'd usually end up channeling somebody else. That's who I'd be talking to. So it's not something, it's just totally weird that I wasn't familiar with to see somebody channel. So after. No, I'm not saying uh, it's weird because I, I don't have a problem with it. Believe me, I don't. All I'm trying to say is this, and I'm saying this for our audience too. I'm not saying it for you and your particular experience necessarily however if you have a child who has too many doors open in their consciousness uh, and they are attracting entities good or bad and they can't handle it i mean to me it seems like um you know the cleanser might have thought about that and said something like maybe you should encourage her not to do that maybe you should encourage her to shut down the channel until she gets a hold of herself, her boundaries, and is in a place that is safe within her own consciousness. And it's just a thought I'm having that, you know, if I were working with somebody like your daughter, that's probably what I would recommend to you. And, and again, it's not that I'm against channeling. I'm not. I know many famous mediums. PK, I know you do too. Uh, mm-hmm. I do mediumship myself. But uh, believe me, once somebody has opened the door, and to something they cannot control and it takes over, then they tend to have a vulnerability there. And we even had a medium on the show. Remember this one, PK? 
we were interviewing this lovely lady. She came on the show. She had written a number of books about what she was doing, and we kept hearing this in this horribly loud squeaky chair. Mm-hmm. Remember that? It was just yeah, so I annoying. Do. Oh, finally, I said to her, "Would you please change chairs because all we're hearing is this loud squeaking noise, and it's going to be deafening to our audience." And she said to us. I'm not sitting in an office chair. I'm sitting in a dining chair. So it wasn't her. And I can guarantee you, Bill, it wasn't me and it wasn't PK. So mm-hmm. after the show, I ended up taking a few pictures in the room and a devil's head came up. Now, this woman was an experienced medium, but she had had pneumonia. She really wasn't feeling well for the last three weeks. So what happened was this thing attached to her and was following her around. She wasn't recovering from the pneumonia either, by the way. So she was still sick even after she'd been on the show. My point is this, you know, when something like that happens, there's a vulnerability that really has to, I think, in my opinion, everything needs to be shut down. I'm just saying this for the audience too. Well, maybe maybe you're right, but at the time, I didn't know that much about all this stuff. Of course. I mean, this was years ago. I mean, hey, I'm not saying I would have known about it. You have to learn the hard way. Kevin, how would you know? And and we've learned by interviewing people on the show over the last five or so years that, you know, this can happen. So I'm saying this now, today, in 2019, for our audience members, that, you know, if this is happening to somebody you know, a daughter, a son, or yourself, then it might be time to just kind of shut those channels down until you can reevaluate and close the doors in your consciousness that should not be open. So I'm just saying that as a caveat to our audience, Bill. I'm not criticizing you in any way because I know this was uh, un- the uncharted waters for you and your whole family. Very scary stuff. And yes, um, but, you know, be terrified. Like, at, actually, you know, I had talked to Laurel about her helping Brittany develop her abilities, and Laurel never told me anything about she needs to shut down. None of that, you know. She's well, I, you know, I'll, I'll work with her and help her to develop her abilities, but she has these abilities, and she shouldn't be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And everybody and so works in different ways. That's that's the thing. The person that was helping you out, they had their own way of working. And you don't know. You do the yeah. best that you can. They're doing the best they can. So uh, anyway, after, after the initial uh, exorcism, cleansing, Brittany channeled whoever, might happen, whatever spirit might happen to be walking by for months you never knew when it was going to happen and it happened multiple times every day for months and she had to she quit staying over at her mother's because her mother just couldn't handle this stuff and she started staying over here full time because I was the only one that could handle her and uh, I you know you just never knew when it was when she was going to kind of fall over and come up as somebody else. Uh, I remember one time we were having dinner and uh, she, her head 
fell over to the side, and she came back, and she was turned out, to make a long story short, it turned out that she was a little girl who had been in a German concentration camp in World War II, and uh, she was... She, she, I couldn't speak German. She couldn't speak English, so we had problems. But there, she was speaking German, and I could recognize the uh, Eins Wein Dry. You know, I can count the ten mm-hmm. in German, and I could recognize the numbers. And uh, it turned out that what she was doing, she was trying to explain to me how they had to march from one place to the other and and count time as they marched. And then she was showing me on her wrist, and she was writing these numbers on her wrist. Well, you know, they all had tattoos mm-hmm. of numbers on their wrists. She was probably the most interesting one of the batch, but there were, you just never knew who was going to show up next. And that went on for a long time, and of course, Spence was always around, but we always saw Spence as a helping entity, kind of like Brittany's guardian angel. He was a friend of the family, sort of. And uh, we learned later that that was probably the wrong uh, tack to take with uh, Spence. Um, because as things kept happening, Lola bowed out. She pretty much just said, I can't, I don't know what to do, and I'm out of it. So I found somebody else. I found another um, psychic. It turns out he was a voodoo shaman. He called himself a Sangoma. And his name was Tommy Muller, and he's in the book. And uh, he was from South Africa. Uh, He was Africaner. And... uh, so he kind of did a voodoo exorcism on Brittany. And uh, his take on the whole thing, and it was very different from what, what Laurel did, but his take on the whole thing was uh, your demonic entity is Spence. Uh, wow. And, you know, this, this so-called friend of the family, that's the entity. And he's... he's uh, He's lying to you guys. You need to stay away from this guy. And you know, all the, the voodoo exorcism, that's all talked about in the book. But after it was over with, you know, Brittany and I left. And, we, you know, and I, I still like Tommy. He's a great guy. But um, we left and we talked about it in the car on the way home. We just didn't believe it. We both thought that Spence was, like I said, a member of the family. He was one of the Mm -hmm. good guys. We just figured Tommy was just wrong. He had something wrong. Well, it turned out years later that Tommy was right. Um, And finally, we continued to have things happen here at the house for the next 15 years. Nothing to that extent. It was always something smaller. But uh, this was when we started talking to disembodied entities. I would, like, I, I would be in the bathroom and uh, someone would knock on the door and I'd say, who is it? 
Brittany, Brittany, and she'd say, I got to go to the uh, bathroom. I said, well, just, just give me a minute. I'll be out in a minute. No, I need to go now. Okay. So I get up. I go over, open the door. There's nobody there. And I look in Brittany's room, and she's sound asleep. Uh And that kind of thing. And there were a number of instances where she said she'd be in her room with the door closed, and she would. I'd knock on the door and say, Brittany, I've got some clothes I need to bring in. Can you open the door? So she'd go to the door and open the door, and I wouldn't be there. I'd be downstairs watching TV. That sort of thing happened a lot. So whatever this entity was, it it could mimic. It could mimic her, and it could mimic me. No oh boy. That that may be the spookiest of the of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I guess if you really want to think about, you're talking to an entity that's not even there. Or you can't see. Yeah, it's like a shapeshifter. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, mm. So eventually we, um, I thought, well, everything else I've tried hasn't worked. So I'm going to try one of these paranormal teams. And I I found one that it was an all-woman uh, group. And because uh, Brittany is always related better to women for some reason or other, she re- relates better to female doctors. But anyway, so I thought, well, that's that's the one for us. So they came out. Uh, the psychic that headed it was Renee. Uh, she was named Renee Anderson. And they came and they, you know, they did their thing with the one of the EVP thing, you know, all the little gadgets and gizmos. And um, Renee agreed with with Tommy, the voodoo guy. He said, "Yeah, it's it's the Spence entity. You need to get him out of here, and he's still here." So they mm-hmm. did their cleansing, and they, Renee did her thing, and it has been very peaceful here for nearly three years. Well, isn't that the incredible? Paranormal team it? came through. Yay! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Really? Wow. Yeah, so she was she yeah, great. It's such an unusual case. I mean, the whole thing from beginning to end, Bill, is just so unique. I mean, usually you hear about a possession where there's maybe one or two at the most, maybe three, I don't know, but maybe one or two demonic entities involved that are pulling the strings. But having somebody find a thousand, I mean, that's bizarre. And That's incredible, yeah. <laughs> for what she's gone through. And I know her life has not been easy. Um, as you mentioned in the book, she struggled with drugs and alcohol and uh, boyfriends and in her in and out of her life. It's not been a settled, stable life for her. So God bless her and you, because this has not been easy. And I know you've both done the absolute best you can do given these these very trying circumstances with very little support you've really had to be persistent about trying to get people involved to help you and you've done a great job reaching out to people to see who was going to help and bring this to a better conclusion 
we finally found uh, a sympathetic psychiatrist because Brittany's been in and out of psychiatric care ever since. I mean, this is, has scarred her. This stole her oh, teenage years away from her. She's a very uh, so, sensitive soul to begin with. Yeah, she is. And so we eventually found a psychiatrist in Nashville. Her name's Dr. Elizabeth Baxter. And after having all these other shrinks tell us that, you know, it's bipolar, it's schizophrenic, it's this, it's that, this kind of ism, that kind of ism, she finally, she talked to Brittany. She said, no, she has PTSD. And that's all that's wrong here. She said, I don't know what a demon is. You know, that's above my pay grade. But something really traumatic happened to her when she was 15. And she has PTSD because of that. And that's her problem. So Dr. Baxter has readjusted all of the medications that they've had Brittany on all these years and uh, things are really looking a a lot better after a long time. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Yes, and that's been a long haul and you certainly all deserve peace in your life. So at least some of these uh, concerning paranormal events have stopped and She's on the right road with a, a better diagnosis and a good psychiatrist who can guide her. So so all is, is much better than it was before. But, oh, my goodness, what a thing to have to live through. That's terrible. And I also want to mention, uh, again, to you and everybody in the audience, Dr. Richard Gallagher, if you believe that somebody in your family is having an issue like this, Dr. Richard Gallagher, who's been on the show, he is a board-certified Ivy League-trained psychiatrist based in New York, and he is an exorcism consultant for the Catholic Church. He has a book we're waiting for uh, to have it come out, and we're going to have him back on the show. But Dr. Gallagher is unique in that he really understands that demons are real, And he has no problem saying that out loud, as he did on our show. And he has a way of determining if his patient is, in fact, possessed or if they have a psychiatric disorder. And he said there are certain things he looks for in order to come to a more definitive diagnosis. But the Catholic Church really does lean on him for advice. And so we're going to have him back on the show. But if you do need to contact someone about this issue, we highly recommend Dr. Gallagher because of his level of expertise and training. It's uh, it's pretty amazing, and I thank him every day for having the courage to speak up about this because, mm-hmm. as we all know, it's not an easy thing to do when your career could be ripped out from under you, but he does know what he's talking about. So, anyways, but so, Bill, what's next? for you and and Brittany are you you're just going to continue on this path of making sure she continues her PTSD treatment well I mean that's pretty much it uh, she is working now as an elder care provider she goes out to elderly people's homes and takes care of them you know so they don't have to go to a nursing home and well, that's um, nice she does not channel anymore. She 
uh, quit all that and says she won't, just won't do it. It's not that she can't, she won't. Um, and in fact, mm-hmm. shortly before Renee came out and finally got rid of all the big bads here in the house, um, Brittany announced one day, she said, you know, I'm not going to channel Spence anymore. And this was before we found out about who mm-hmm. Spence really was. And uh, I said, well, okay, why? And she said, I don't know. I just don't feel good about that anymore. And I really don't know what happened. But that was several months before Renee ever came out here. And we she had been had planning some kind of, yes. yeah, some kind of uh, revelation came to her for some reason, and I don't know what, but she hasn't channeled Spence since, and that's been about two and a half years ago, and says she never will again. Mm-hmm. So she must have had her own gut feeling about him, that he really yeah. wasn't what he said uh-huh. he was. It's hard to know. I mean, with a lot of these entities, sometimes they present themselves in one way, they turn out to be something else. And you really need a lot of good discernment and training to be able to know the difference. And that's hard. I mean, when you're a teenager, my goodness, you're only concerned about being included, being loved, and having power that you're not ready to handle. So <laughs> yeah, so that's the holy grail for teenagers, right, PK? I agree. I agree. So to be exposed to, to this level of uh, of entity invasion is, I can see why uh, the new psychiatrist came to that PTSD diagnosis. So it's overwhelming. Um, you know, plus going back and forth, as you said, between the two homes, your ex-wife and yours, it's very stressful. So there, there was a lot happening on a lot of levels for her to try yeah. to integrate. You know, and but I, the way you talk about this, you're so grounded and you're so accepting, and you obviously love your daughter, and that's so nice to hear. And you're so committed to trying to help her along the way to get this all resolved. And good for you. Gosh, I know people that well, would have run you, screaming into the night. If you talked to me back in 2001, I probably would have sounded a lot more frantic back then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. yes. That, that's what would have happened. It's been yeah. a long road. And plus, you were down in the in, in the south. I mean, I, I don't know how open your area They're was. They're not open. They're a lot more open yeah. now. But at that time, they were not open at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you True. said you were in the Bible Belt, and, and this was not to be even talked about, right? Oh, no, 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 not there. No. Mm-mm. Such things just didn't oh, didn't exist. Or if they did, you pretended they didn't. <laughs> this, this is the heart, the fundamentalist the Christianity right here. Oh, boy. Gosh, but it still feels like home to you, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've lived here most of my life, so, uh, yeah, I guess so. Gosh. Take me well, out of here in a box. Yeah. <laughs> you, have, have you felt the changes over these last years, though? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Is it, it, it is yeah. so much. I mean, there are metaphysical bookstores in Nashville. There must be five or six of them. And, uh, you know, it's metaphysical things are not the devil anymore. No, they're more mainstream. They're accepted now. Yeah, it's it's very different now than it was, say, in 2001. Very different. Well, I would imagine the music industry has made a big change in a lot of that, too, don't you think? Well, maybe. I mean, we probably have a lot of northerners come down here because of the music industry, and I Mm -hmm. think that's helped liberalize things a lot. Wow. Well, that's great. Well, again, everybody, I want to tell you the name of Bill's book. It is called The Holy Water Incident, and it is a true story of a daughter's possession and exorcism. It's by our guest, Bill Dorian. Go get it. It is a great read. Bill is an excellent writer. This book is very well written. You will definitely enjoy it. Definitely. And, Bill, thank you so much for sharing this very difficult time in your life. And we're glad to hear that you're doing better, and so is Brittany. Our best to both of you. And please keep in touch. Let us know what your next book's going to oh, be about. Oh, absolutely. I, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to share the message. The reason I wrote the book was hoping to be able to help other people that are going through what we had to go through then. And mm-hmm. maybe they won't feel as alone as we did. That's right. That well, you've done a great job. It? Yes, it does. Absolutely. To have some support along the way. And again, God bless both of you, you and Brittany. And thank you for coming on the show tonight thank and you. sharing your story. Remarkable. Thank you so much. Next week, we'll be back, everybody, with another exciting show. And until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.